Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of the Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And this week, as we do every week, we'll be bringing you some interesting headlines from Japan and how we feel about them as people living here. But first, we'll see what Ferg has been doing up in the mountains for the past week. Well, as you know, we've had a silver week here in Japan. Yeah. So the whole country has been off for four days. That's the weekend and two consecutive national holidays, meaning that local tourist spots have been very busy. Mm. There are some nearby, and I checked them out, and there were indeed many, many people there. Really? Yes. Uh, they were in the mask. Oh yes, to be fair, most people were wearing masks, yes. Although one thing I wanted to mention, and this isn't particularly Japan-related, so I apologise. Normally I like to keep them Japan-related because I figure that's more interesting for the listeners, Mm. but for me personally these past few days, sadly I haven't had that much chance to make the most of the holiday. I've been inside quite a lot, but I have been experimenting on my computer with using dark mode oh yeah the dark mode are you a dark mode fan yeah i am yeah especially especially on my phone yeah 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 i never really kind of understood the appeal i would see Mm. people using it and like see their sort of um menus and things in right right but didn't properly understand it. But then I decided just to give it a try. One time, I guess I was working late at night or something, and mm. figured it might reduce the glare a bit. And I, I found I quite liked it. As I said, it does reduce glare. Certainly, I feel. Yeah, yeah. And and on mm. the on your phone, it's especially nice. I found because mm. you typically like before bed. Like even yeah. if it's just to, like set your alarm or whatever, like you'll mm. you know fool around with your phone for a minute or two and yeah it doesn't like blind you when you're in your dark room yeah certainly yeah. so not that interesting perhaps for listeners but that's what has been occupying my mind over yeah. the past few days well you what know if, you? if there's anyone out there that hasn't tried dark mode give it a try yeah certainly worth a try I would yeah, say yeah maybe you'll like it yeah. yes sir what about you? How has your past week been? Uh, me? So, I, I had to go into Tokyo to um, uh, for like a, a family thing. And uh, I, I drove. Okay. Uh, instead, instead of taking the train. Because I felt, you know, it's uh, maybe marginally safer mm. as far as COVID exposure is concerned. Um, but yeah, there are so many Uber Eats bicycles. Really? In Tokyo, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Because people aren't going outside, but they still want to eat at their favorite spots, you know, so they all get Uber Eats. Mm. But, like, like that, it's, it's straight up dangerous. Is it? Yeah, because there's so many bicycles and... I think a lot of them are maybe like underemployed people mm. kind of taking it on and that kind of thing. So they're not 
very i don't know how to phrase it but like they're not very good at operating a bicycle if that makes any yeah. sense yeah yeah so i like i almost hit a dude and, and it shook me up man really yeah because i was just cruising along mm. and then there was there was one uber eats guy like on like in the road you mm. know like driving where or operating his bicycle where the cars go yeah you know which is okay mm. but he was going real slow so so i kind of it was it was two lanes so i, I passed him on the right you know as as you do Yep. And then as I came back into the left lane, like another Uber Eats guy comes out of like one of the little side streets. Damn. Like just does not stop. You know, he just like whooshes out of there. And I, yeah. I probably came within like inches of hitting this guy. I was just damn. like, God damn, dude. Like they're yeah. everywhere, and like they just they just don't, and because they're obsessed with getting the food to wherever, like as fast as possible. Yeah. So they're a bit lax in their um uh, awareness of the situation around them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of the problem too is that because they're typically they're going somewhere where they haven't been. You know, they're maybe they're not too familiar with the area, so so they're like looking at their phone the whole time because mm. there's a map on their phone telling them how to get there. So they're yeah. just not paying attention, you know. And it's just like, man, this is this is no good. Damn, I didn't realize it was that out of control in the big city. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it is seriously out of control. Yeah, I do remember right when Uber Eats was first starting in Japan like around sort of 2016, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, surely this will not take off because every, you know, there's sort of cheap places to eat everywhere in Tokyo. It's so easy to just go out and grab something from the street corner. I didn't understand why anyone would pay extra for delivery. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. as you say, it has become very successful, you know, or at, or at least very common. Yeah, and yeah, I think especially this whole COVID thing has just created mm. like the perfect environment for for it to just take off, you know, because people can't go outside or as mm. much anyway. Coupled with people who need some extra cash. So, yeah, yeah it's just a perfect environment for something like that to just spiral out of control yes sir yeah although it's it is somewhat strange because like a real uber the kind of taxi uber mm -hmm. it's not really taken off at all in japan has it yeah that, that yeah maybe that's an interesting thing we can just talk about briefly but uh yeah so in japan um if you want to have people in your car and take them somewhere in exchange for money then you need a a different driver's license it's called um like a type 2 driver's license which um like you need to go to a separate driving school to to get that and obviously like most people except for taxi drivers uh, don't have that type of license 
So uh, although there is Uber in Japan, it's pretty much just a straight up taxi service. Mm. So anyone that once uh, the travel restrictions are a bit more lax, anyone that comes here to visit, you can use Uber, but it's not going to be like it is in the West where it's just like some random guy in a car. It's going to be like a proper taxi, which uh, which is nice, but then it's not particularly cheap either i think it's i think it's actually more expensive than a regular taxi oh is it that's Uber interesting over here yeah mm. um because since they can't do what they do in the west they've kind of branded themselves as like a luxury taxi operator oh i see yeah yep. so in, instead of just like a standard you know toyota sedan like they'll come pick you up in like a like a mercedes or that kind of thing, but mm. so, so you know, in a way, for what you're getting, because it's only marginally more expensive than a regular taxi. So, for what you're getting, it might actually be kind of cheap. But yeah, yeah. But in absolute terms, I think it's actually a bit more expensive than a regular taxi. Mm, interesting, eh? Yeah, and it's only available in like metro areas, I believe. Mm. Yeah, in Japan, yeah. No Ubers out here in the mountains, eh? Nah, I guess not, yeah. Maybe maybe if you go into the city, though, into Nagano City, there might be. Maybe. Yeah, I've seen Uber Eats in Nagano City, so... Mm. Maybe there is actual Uber, who knows? Yeah. But, uh... Anyway, yeah, I was, uh... I am not a fan of Uber Eats bicycles, Causing chaos on the roads, eh? Yeah, man. It's, it's pandemonium in the streets. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was my week. Okay. Shall we move on to our sort of roundup of just some of the key headlines? Yeah. Which we've started doing as coronavirus-related stories have become less frequent or less interesting. Mm-hmm. So, one... Uh, article I read was about Abe, the former Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe, visiting Yasukuni Shrine, the famous shrine that is well known for honouring war criminals among other soldiers who yeah, they, died they, for they, Japan. They love that place. They I don't certainly know what it do. Is. And he visited it um, this past Saturday, so not long, a few days or a week or so after he resigned as Prime mm-hmm. Minister and reported this on his Twitter. He said that he reported to the souls of the war dead that he had resigned as Prime Minister. Which, (laughs) like, you know, okay, I get that that's his personal belief. Yeah. And that's kind of fine. (laughs) But the fact that he's so eager to do it as soon as he steps down and publicly announce it, it's just sort of like, you know, it seems like it's just rubbing in the face, particularly of, you know, like Korea and, and China, who mm. suffered most at the hands of Japanese imperialism. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because like, what is what is he hoping to accomplish with that? Exactly, right? Like, yeah. If he wants like... to go, I mean, I, I guess that's fine. But you don't have to, like, advertise it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never understand that. 
like the, no. the like Japanese politicians, like well, the conservative politicians' obsession with visiting that place mm. because yeah. it, it doesn't like it benefits no one. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Oh well. Well, I mean, listeners who are interested in Abe's political views can listen to our sort of special discussion when he resigned, in which mm-hmm. we mentioned that. Another big story that's been in the news over the past week or so has been the arrest of the former chairman of a company called Japan Life, which always makes me think of like a life insurance company. Yeah, yeah, I, I always thought it was a life insurance company, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a lot dodgier than that. Oh, yeah. So Takayoshi Yamaguchi, 78 years of age, was arrested on suspicion of fraud along with 13 others connected to the company. They ran a kind of owner rental business. The idea was that customers bought these, you know, magnetic vests and necklaces and things. And they would then give them back to the company. And the company would rent them out to other customers and pay a kind of rental fee or like a dividend of around 6% according to the articles I read to yep. the original customers who who bought the the items yeah so it's i guess it's like a scaled down version of like uh like if it were a legitimate business so like like a real estate kind of thing where it's like you you buy a house from them and then they they handle renting it out and then you just get the monthly rents kind of exactly thing. exactly and also, the in theory, at least, the original investment would also be guaranteed under this scheme. Right. You know, in reality, the company was going bust. They didn't have the money to pay. Yeah, it was just a huge Ponzi scheme. Yes, sir. Yeah. And as a result, according to the articles I read, they defrauded around 10,000 people, mainly elderly people, out of... About 210 billion yen was the figure I saw quoted. I mean, I think that the cases, the sort of crimes under which they've been arrested now, don't that's don't amount to that 210 billion yen. But that's what like the police are estimating the whole the total is. Right. That's about 2.1 billion US dollars, by the way. Yeah, and that's a crazy number. Two crazy. billion dollars with a B absolutely crazy according to a lawyer i saw quoted in an article this makes it one of the largest cases of kind of consumer harm or consumer fraud in post-war japan yeah this is like the japanese Mm. version of uh was it the bernie madoff (laughs) yeah yeah right yeah yeah they have been japan life have been sort of dragged up in front of you know, parliamentary committees and things before for potentially being like a multi-level marketing type business. You know, like basically a, a scam more or less. But they sort of, they managed to survive and around yeah, 2003... weasel their way out of it. Managed to weasel their way out of it. They started this rental owner business that I mentioned. Maybe it helped that the company made many political donations... And Yamaguchi, 
Takayoshi Yamaguchi, the former chairman, was also invited to the Sakurao Mirukai, the cherry blossom viewing parties. Oh, he was. I didn't know that. He was. (laughs) (laughs) That became the focus of a huge scandal when it turned out that, as we mentioned in our Abbey episode a few weeks ago, that uh, most of the people being invited seem to be sort of like friends of Abbey and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Abe did deny that he had any personal relationship with Yamaguchi. But wasn't one of the allegations for the, the Sakurao Mirukai that basically anyone who was invited, like the list was personally curated by, by Abe? Yeah, exactly right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is a huge case still rumbling on. It will be quite interesting to read the stories coming out. Yeah, I did yeah, think I, it. Would... I, I read a related story on. Uh, so you know, it was the whole, <clears throat> like, you, you would buy these power stones or whatever, right, and they rent rent them out. Yeah. But uh, apparently, the stones themselves were uh, the cost to produce them was about thirty yen. Oh boy. <laughs> per per item of jewelry oh what so was that they were basically going to the forest of the local <laughs> you know rubble site and picking them up off the ground yeah pretty much and uh <laughs> they would tell people they were worth 20 to 40 million yen wow that is <laughs> it's beyond the pale isn't it yeah so basically, they pick up they pick up a rock in their backyard, and then they tell their they tell their clients it has mystical powers and mm. is and is worth two hundred to four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. <laughs> and and then they would put a bunch of these like they would stick them on a belt, and yeah. say it's like a like a power belt, and they would sell the belt for like six million yen. Which is it's crazy, isn't like, it? Yeah, six hundred or us. Or yeah, they would sell a belt with like cuts of that big rock. Yeah. For like six million yen, yeah. So. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's. Ah, well, I mean, you gotta feel for the people that got duped. Oh yes, certainly. Yeah. Yes, I mean, if something seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, yeah it is quite interesting I mean there have been some articles coming out about the chairman he seems like a pretty detestable figure you know reports of him kind of shouting at store managers in front of like huge company meetings etc for missing sales targets oh yeah yeah he wrote a book where he said one of the quotes that's been mentioned a lot in the articles is that his religion was making money. <laughs> so he's um, uh, what was what was the character Gordon Gecko of <laughs> yeah. of selling rocks, or at least he thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. The actually, if you look at like, have you seen in the articles the photos of him being arrested? He looks like an old Yakuza boss or something. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and then the name doesn't help him do him any favors either. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. Yamaguchi Gumi is pretty much like the biggest crime syndicate in Japan. 
Yeah. Although yeah, it, it's just coincidence, but they had that they had the same name, but still, it, <laughs> yeah, like the the name coupled with the way he looks. Yeah, he has those sort of tinted glasses. I think. Mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. what maybe makes him look like that. Well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he had ties to to organized crime. No, sir. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. Right. Well, anyway, shall we? And move on just finally to the coronavirus there were 313 new cases in the 24 hours leading up to 9am on the 21st of September and this brought the total number of cases to 79,681 in Japan there were also seven new deaths bringing the total to 1,514 deaths so it's slowly going down it seems that way, yes. Yeah. This The figure was below 400 for the first time in seven days. And that's 400, like, across the country, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Because, like, what was it, you know, like a, maybe a month, two months ago, it was like a thousand a day. Or not a thousand, but like 400 a day, mm. like just in Tokyo. Yes. And like yes. a thousand plus, like, nationwide. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yes, the numbers do have, seem to have reduced significantly. In fact, there were only 98 people in Tokyo. Wow. Below 100 for the first time in seven days. The, um, it also included a cluster of about 20 children and three staff at an elementary school in Kobe. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Well, previously, two children and two staff at the school were found to be infected. So then they conducted tests on 127 people in the same class. Mm -hmm. And that is where we have these numbers from now. We still don't have all of the PCR tests being released. So there might be some more figures coming from that cluster in the next few days. Okay, okay. And uh, as a result, as you said, of the kind of seems to be falling numbers the government has eased the limits on attendance at events they did this on the 19th of september so now for example baseball and soccer matches can see larger numbers of viewers of fans well that'll be nice uh, assuming hmm. they are you know diligent in keeping their their shit together as far as having people wear masks and distance themselves appropriately that that'll be nice because you know i because i enjoy, I enjoy a, a baseball game but oh uh, do you yeah but just watching it on tv like nowadays mm. like with all the cardboard cutouts in the stands it's just not the same man yeah yeah well it can have a quite a significant effect because now they're allowed up to so previously they were allowed up to five thousand people but now they can have their stadiums up to 50% capacity. So Wow, that's a big jump. That's a big jump when you think many of these stadiums have, you know, tens of thousands of people. Yeah, I think like a stadium like uh, Tokyo Dome, for instance, is seats like 50,000. Exactly, exactly. So they're going to have 25,000 people. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, man. It seems, mm. seems like they're going too fast. Perhaps, yes. Well, the example I read about in the article was at Yokohama Stadium, 
-hmm. the capacity of that is about thirty four thousand. And in the game that was described in the article, they had thirteen、uh, thousand people attended. Okay, so okay. a bit less than half. Yeah.、Uh, although the spectators were asked to refrain from shouting and cheering. Wow, also... that's, that's kind of hard to do, though. If you're if you're at a game, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of those fans they get pretty riled up. Yeah, and also、yeah. from giving high fives. So instead, yeah, they clapped、yeah. and waved towels. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, ho- hopefully it'll it'll work out, but yes, sir. I mean, that is kind of the problem with coronavirus. We've seen that in the UK that. You know, as soon as you ease restrictions, it can lead to another spike. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you say, hopefully it works out, and we continue on the recovery path. Yeah, at least just you know hold the fort until we get a proper vaccine. Yes, sir. Oh, and just the final important item in our news roundup for all you J-pop fans out there: the name of Kayakizaka forty-six.、Uh, Will be changed to Sakurazaka Forty Six. Okay. <laughs> are you not excited? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know who these people are. Well, Yurina、uh, Hirate, who was a kind of key member of the group, left in January, and along with the group's kind of new star, I suppose you might say, without her, they decided to change their name. Okay. So interested people can look into that more. Well, yeah, more more power to them. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, you you do you. <laughs> yes, sir. Whatever whatever floats your boat. That's what、uh-huh. I say. Right. Well, shall we move on to our main stories? All right. So I'll uh I'll get mine out of the way. Okay. So there was an article、um, a couple days ago in in the Nikkei. About、um, the current state of plea bargains in Japan、mm. in the Japanese justice system, and so first,、uh, just to make the distinction, there, there's there's two broad types of of plea bargains,、uh, and I think people in the West will be <clears throat> pretty familiar with these. But there's the first kind, which you know, if if I'm accused of doing something. Then the prosecutor will come to me and say, "Hey, if you plead to a lesser charge, if you agree to plead guilty to a lesser charge, then you know we'll we'll work something out." So that's one kind. Then there's the other kind where you、uh, you're granted immunity if you testify against like your accomplice, right? That kind of thing. So there's there's、mm-hmm. those two types. And in Japan,、uh, they only have the the latter type. So you can't、mm. plead plead down your own sentence, but if you cooperate with prosecutors, you can you know get off the hook sometimes.、Um, and this was only introduced、uh, like two years ago in Japan, so it's a very recent thing.、Mm. Um, <clears throat> but in those two years, there's only been、uh, apparently there's only been three. Cases of like where plea bargains have、uh, have played a part. Like it's only happened thrice in those two years. Astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, it's just、uh, I was just 
kind of taken aback because first I, I I wasn't aware that like this wasn't even a thing in Japan until very recently. Mm-hmm. And um because it's it's so common in the US. I mean you hear about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that and then yeah, it's just the fact that it just doesn't people aren't using it. And when I say mm-hmm. people, I mean you know, prosecutors because they're the ones that that it's it's their initiative if they want to go go through with something like that. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but one of the big cases where it did get used was the that whole Nissan thing. Oh really? Yeah, apparently. So the 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 prosecutors were gathering evidence for that, and they went to some of the the higher-ups at Nissan and said, hey, we're investigating you guys, but if you help us out, you know, we'll, like, whenever we do file charges, we, we won't include you. Mm. And so a, a lot of them helped out. And they're quoted as saying that without that cooperation, then they probably never would have been able to gather enough evidence. That's interesting. Yeah, so, you know, in this case, at least, um, it, it worked. As, as it was intended. Mm. So, you know, the, the hope there is that maybe they'll be a little bit more proactive in, in using this tool in the, like, moving forward, you know, to, to kind of catch these, these big crimes. Hmm. I wonder if that affects, like, the Japanese sort of prosecution of criminal gangs. For example, like certainly I know that those kind of plea bargains have been used a lot in the US, for example, like yeah, when they're prosecuting yeah. criminal organizations and they have mm-hmm. someone who has, you know, gone over to the prosecution side in return. Yes, for... I, I too watched The Godfather. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know, if they're using it so infrequently in Japan, mm-hmm, perhaps mm-hmm. it affects their ability to crack down on criminal organizations yeah and yeah one of the kind of the, the funny takeaways for me from the article was that uh because this is certainly one of those areas where like there's there's no rule book mm. you know what i mean it's like it, it's kind of it's up to the prosecutor to to just kind of to wing it almost you know what i mean mm. yeah like there's no like set of guidelines really I mean, obviously, mm. you look at like precedent and and all that, but ultimately, it's it's your call. Yeah, and that's that's very non like a not Japanese way of doing things because you know over here there's there's like a there's a manual for everything. Hmm. So that's one reason why prosecutors are hesitant to use it and they're having trouble dealing like dealing with the the system because Mm. there's no there's no set way of doing things there's Mm. no way that you know you're supposed to do it i wonder do you think also perhaps as we've mentioned on this podcast before the you know the conviction rate in japan is so high Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you know whereas for example in the u.s if a defendant pleads guilty to a lesser crime, it can save the prosecution significant amounts of money and time right, having right. to satisfy that, you know, that burden of proof for mm-hmm. the whatever the 
the higher level crime is. Whereas yeah, in Japan, yeah. maybe that's not such a big factor that there is no need to sort of have a system of, yeah, of plea bargains like the first type yeah. that you talked about. Because their conviction rate is so high in the first place. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's might be one of the reasons why they they didn't employ the uh, the pleading to a lesser charge type mm. plea bargain because they figured they didn't need it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, an interesting look into I don't know, I guess the Japanese justice system's attempt to at least maybe modernize a bit. Mm. We did we were discussing just before we started recording as well. There is something in the Japanese justice system that I think maybe perhaps listeners from the West might find a bit distasteful or a bit uncomfortable, but like Japanese defendants can pay um, like a sort of compensation fee, I guess you might call it, like a mimaikin is in Japanese, yeah. to the victims of crimes. Mm-hmm. And in theory, at least, that should not be taken into account in sentencing, like when the judge decides a sentence. But I think, well, I don't know, but I think perhaps judges might take it as a sign of remorse if they pay significant amounts of money to the victims of crimes. Yeah. Yeah, and potentially result in lower sentences. Yeah, and, and also they can do that for um. Uh, it might depend on the type of crime, but for I, I think we talked about this before on this podcast a, a, mm. a while ago. But for for like cases of rape, mm. because like that that's a straight up crime, but. It's treated almost like like I don't know if if the if if a person is accused of rape and 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 and, and they actually did do it like yeah. they they can just straight up pay off the victim mm. and then like the, all the charges get dropped yeah which yeah I, which I think is crazy mm. you can just straight up pay him off. And that's the end of the story. Yep. It is quite uncomfortable, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I feel like not sure. And, and I and I've and I talked to like like friends and stuff about that and mm. like they don't really like that's just how it is, you know. It doesn't really seem strange to them. But it's yeah. like, but if you just think about it, it's weird. You just pay someone. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're very well off, you know you might be able to get away with these things. Effectively. Yeah, these, these yeah, so, somewhat. You know, I hate to say lesser, but like I think in the mm. relative scheme of things, I mean, like you can't do that if you kill someone, obviously. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, for these somewhat you know lesser crimes, often yeah, you can just pay off the victim and go mm. on your merry way. Like there's mm. no like just nothing on your. You don't get a criminal record because the charges. Are straight up dropped, so there's nothing on your record, and mm. yeah, yeah, as that if, is interesting. As if it never happened, mm. Mm. it is interesting what you said about the plea bargain. So, it is, and as we've mentioned briefly in this podcast before, it is a bit of a shame because you don't read a lot about court cases in Japan because it's usually a given that once people are arrested, they'll be convicted. Yeah. So, yeah. occasionally, if there's an interesting case in the West. 
you get these sort of updates on the court case as it's going on. But that's quite rare in Japan, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very rare. Because, mm. yeah, like you said, like if you're accused, like once they file charges, they, they know they're getting that conviction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, yeah, just a, a look into how Japanese courts operate. Yeah, something interesting to bear in mind, certainly. Mm-hmm. Right, so the story I want to talk about now is about fake reviews on Amazon. Oh, and no. in summary, the president of a health food company in Fukuoka, Kyushu, well known for their tasty ramen, did uh, some detective work, which led him to discover a rival company officer was up to no good. Oh, no. And as a result, the company uh, officer, 26 years old, from Fukuoka, of a a different company this was, was arrested and fined 200,000 yen, approximately 2,000 US dollars, so not a huge fine. Mm Mm-hmm. For a kind of crime that's called damage to credit, which I guess is like defamation, but for a company. Yeah. Rather than a person. So, the story started around January 2018, when the president of a health food company in Fukuoka, as I said, noticed that his company was getting an unusually high number of negative reviews on supplements on Amazon. Uh-huh. This included about nine one-star ratings in one week on two products, when usually they received about one low rating a month, or perhaps less. So mm-hmm. this was very unusual. And it led to a 20% drop in sales, apparently. Wow, really? It has that much of an impact? Mm, I could see that, certainly. Like, if I was searching for things on Amazon and one has a lot of negative reviews, it would certainly make me less inclined to purchase it. Yeah. Do you not? Like, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I totally agree with you, but it's just like to actually see that number, like 20%, mm. it affects it that much. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, this obviously, the president felt that something strange might be going on or that it was unusual that they were getting so many negative reviews Mm -hmm. so you know it displays like the name of the reviewer the screen name of the reviewer yeah yeah on the amazon reviews he searched for this name or one of the names um and it led him to a kind of job site like you know a, a site where um, people can post like looking for for work, and other posters can yeah, yeah. can give them little jobs. The, like what's that site called? TaskRabbit is it? Well, Something like, a, like, like that. Like a freelancer type website. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fiverr is one of the big ones. Yeah, exactly. And the poster with this name or one of the names from the reviews said, "I want to do work I can do with a smartphone." And also, I'm good at writing prose. And the president kind of dug into a bit it a bit further, looking on the message boards and things. 
and yeah. found some bits of a conversation saying, I was looking for work writing reviews or something like that. And then someone else responded, thank you, I'll tell you the details. And then the conversation moved on to a different site, so he couldn't follow it anymore. Yeah. The president, um, so what the president did, and this is quite a cunning idea, I think, he contacted that user on the job site uh-huh. and asked them to be, you know, said he had some work for them and he wanted them to be a monitor, uh, kind of product tester for his company. Yeah. So then the person on the job site sent him an address in order to for him to send the products oh. to. And the president compared this address with recent orders from his company. Yeah. And he found that this address was one that had been used to send some products to. So someone had ordered products and those products had been the same products that had received low reviews on Amazon. Whoa. So, plot thickens. Modern day Sherlock. Uh, Yes, sir. So, anyway, the president asked this person to be like a monitor for his company Mm. and then discovered that the address matched the address on one of the previous orders. So, what he did, and I didn't quite understand how the person fell for this, but he asked the person to edit one of the reviews on Amazon. And it kind of said, it said in this, one of the negative reviews, it said there are like the kind of lumps in it are big and it's difficult to drink. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he asked them to add the line, you know, as I drank it, I became used to it. And the person added that line, which meant that they had to be the person that put the review up there in the first place. Right, right. I wasn't quite sure why that person agreed to that, why they didn't just deny it, but maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't realise what was going on, or maybe they didn't realise that if they did that, it would be clear that they had written the review in the first place. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they edited the review, which was a clear sign that they had written it. So then what happened was the president took an attorney along with him and went to visit this address. And there they found a woman in her 40s who admitted to having written the negative reviews. She said she was paid 500 yen per review and was viewing it as like a kind of part-time work. Yeah. Unfortunately, however, there they met a bit of a dead end because the this woman who had been writing the negative reviews had never actually met the person who asked her to do the work. You know, they had contacted her through the job site. Right, right. And the president contacted the job site itself, like the operators of the site, but they wouldn't release the Mm -hmm. user data of their, you know, registered users. Right, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because he's not the police, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. So what the president did next was he searched on Amazon and he found a seller with a similar name to his own company. Okay. So he bought supplements from them. And when the supplements arrived, the sender's address on the packet 
was the same as a uh, another health food and appliance sales company in Fukuoka. Uh huh. So then, what he did was he visited that address. Yeah. And spoke to the man mentioned at the start, who was an officer of this rival health food and appliance sales company. Yeah. And when the president told him who he was and what company he had come from, the man sort of looked very shocked, according to the article. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. It's caught up with me. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. And, you know, basically apologized. He said it was Warukata. It was his his fault. He 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 was in the wrong. Yeah. However, this sneaky president, he didn't kind of go all out then. You know, he didn't sort of full on attack him or whatever or, mm -hmm. you know, march him down to the local police box. Instead, the two of them sort of talked about how difficult it was in their industry, you know, and and how I suppose things like this happen and things and some of the struggles of selling supplements, etc. Yeah. Then what happened was, on a later date, they went out drinking together. Whoa. Yes, sir. Was this one and... of your keep your enemies closer kind of thing? <laughs> It certainly is. And the president got him drunk. <laughs> and then once Damn. This, once the man was drunk, yeah. he told him the whole story, basically. His tongue was loosened by alcohol. Wow. And the president secretly recorded it. No. Yes, sir. And then he took it to the police. And as a result, the police were able to arrest him and fine him. You know, apparently, it's very difficult usually to prosecute or make arrests in these kind of cases because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't know who is behind reviews. It's very difficult to prove that a review was a fake review. Yeah, yeah. However, in this case, the president, thanks to his diligent research had the whole, you know, knew everything that had happened and had all the evidence. So they were able to arrest and find this rival company officer. Wow. Mm. I think that's, uh, 2020's been a shitty year, but this this is one of the feel-good stories of 2020, I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, that is a kind of horrendous business practice, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah putting fake negative reviews on your rival's business on Amazon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the, uh, mm. if, if the numbers are any indication, it is an effective practice, unfortunately, it seems, because a drop in 20%. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I do think that the president was kind of lucky on this occasion because it seems to me that it was by chance that the woman who was writing the negative reviews use the same username or a, or it might have been a similar username but right yeah yeah on the job site as she used on the actual reviews if she hadn't used that i'm not sure how his investigation would have proceeded 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. You know, even if he had tracked down the company officer, he might not have known that the or been able to actually pinpoint that the reviews were fake, as he was able to because he had already tracked down the woman. Yeah, yeah. Also, the other interesting thing is that, like, 200,000 yen fine is quite small. Really? You know, yeah, even if well, the... as as mm. Japanese fines are. Mm. Like, like uh, you know, we've talked about this repeatedly on here, but, yeah, like, fines in Japan are, are so small. Yeah. You know, and, and conversely, in the U.S., they're way overinflated, but... Mm. Yeah, like, the the fines themselves, I don't think, act as a deterrent at all. Yeah. Like, even, like, yeah. a, like a corporate fine, which in the U.S. is typically in the millions for, you know, any, for whatever type of wrongdoing. But over here, the corporate fines are even maybe, like, 100,000 yen. Yeah. Or, or not, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes they're as low as that. And even on the high end, they're, like, maybe 10 million yen at yeah. most. Yeah, exactly, like, like 100,000. Like, yeah, like 100,000 US, mm. like at most. Exactly. Yeah. The I, So I did read an article about this issue of negative reviews because it does seem like it's become, well, not just negative reviews, but fake reviews in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does seem like it's become a bit of an issue, particularly on Amazon. According to an Asahi uh News survey in 2019, 98% of 1,672 respondents in Japan said that they thought online reviews contained fake reviews and lies. Mm. It is seen seen as a big problem. And this article I read that was actually in the Nikkei, in the, you know, the, the Japanese financial newspaper, it was quite interesting because they managed to sort of get in touch with someone who worked for a company in Shenzhen in China mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was, uh, you know, in charge of, of putting up negative or putting up fake reviews, sorry. Yeah. In fact, this, this person did mostly positive reviews for their own company's products, not negative yeah, reviews. Yeah, I, I, I would think that that's probably the, the more typical example mm. of fake reviews is just people pumping up their own product exactly yeah and the way it works because they need japanese people to do it because otherwise the reviews will be in unnatural japanese probably yeah so right. it will seem suspicious so apparently they recruit potential reviewers on you know for example facebook and line basically like the whatsapp of japan mm-hmm. and then how it works is the reviewer buys the product, then they write their review and they put in specific keywords that are specified by the company. Uh-huh, and this uh-huh. makes the product appear higher on searches and things. Oh. And then the reviewer gets to keep the product for free. And right. they can then resell that, for example, on Yahoo Auctions or, um, you know, Mercari like any any sort of flea market auction type site. Yeah, yeah. Or if it's a very expensive product, they might be able to do ask to do extra things, such as, you know, uploading like video reviews or mm-hmm, photos. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 
And these companies, apparently, according to the article, they specifically target the best reviewers. Like on Amazon, if you write lots of reviews and many people find your reviews helpful, you know, you can click that little button that says this review is helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then you can be measured in the top reviews. And if you're in the top 500 reviewers, according to the article, you can get approximately 16,000 yen for a fake review. $160. Wow. Yeah. So maybe we should be doing that, eh? Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I'll be an Amazon reviewer. And get free stuff. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, if you hit the upper echelons, you get free stuff and you get money as well. Yeah. So apparently these you know, the companies that are making these electronics and putting out fake reviews, they take all kinds of measures to try and stop Amazon catching on to their fake reviews because yeah. obviously if amazon does catch on to it they will you know freeze their accounts and things mm -hmm. and they even so it doesn't look like they're getting a suspicious flood of five-star reviews they'll even occasionally if no normal customers give them low reviews occasionally they'll give themselves low reviews like right. three or two or one star reviews just to kind of make it seem a little bit you know, even it out. <laughs> to make it look more legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently the problem does also exist on Rakuten, the Japanese version of Amazon, but it's not as bad on Rakuten. Uh, apparently. Well, granted on that website, I, I can't even find the reviews anyway. <laughs> it's all like a jumbled mess, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's just like... Like it just reminds me, it would be like if if MySpace from like like the year two thousand yeah. made a shopping website. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like, isn't it? Like it's just like it's all fucking crazy and there's, <laughs> there's like each no... store has a different layout and Yeah, exactly. It's not standardized, so you never know where to click or anything. Yeah. Like, the thing that gets me, and I, I say this all the time, and people are probably tired of hearing about it, but, like, I can't even find the add to cart button sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because the site is just such a jumbled mess. Like, like I want to buy it, but mm. I can't find the buy button, so I'll just give up. Yeah. The other thing as well, it's kind of a cliche. Many people have said this about Rakuten, but it's like, you know, if you buy a mobile phone, for example, on Rakuten, it will recommend you hundreds of other mobile phones. Whereas, you know, if you buy it on Amazon, it will recommend you like a case and a, and yeah. a screen protector and those kind of things. Yeah, so, yeah if, you buy a, if you buy a washing machine on Amazon, it'll recommend you yeah. buy a dryer. Exactly. But yeah, if you buy a washing machine on Octane, it recommends you buy another washing machine. <laughs> because, yeah. because it thinks you like to buy washing machines. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I will say that... Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever done this myself, but I've had, I have had a few people say that they find Rakuten better for buying like Japanese sort of regional uh, foods and things, special treats from different areas in Japan. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that, that sentiment. Yeah, it's, it's better for like niche products. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we give that place a lot of flack for uh, its its layout uh mm. but the 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 better stores mm. 
you know, grant, you know, credit where credit is due. Like the, the places that actually have, that are actually doing pretty well, have decent layouts and they're relatively easy to use. Yeah, that's yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I rarely, I have bought things on Rack 10 before, but I, you know, I'm more or less Amazon all the way. Yeah, I, I only shop there when I have to. Like, mm. if, if whatever I want is only for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's like a, a little regional shop that doesn't sell on Amazon. Yeah, so, you exactly. Know, yeah. Yeah, in those cases, yeah, I'll, I'll buy from Rack 10. Well, oh well. That was a that was mm. a fun detective story. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. That that man messed with the wrong company. Yeah, he did. Yeah. To leave his sneaky negative reviews. Mm-hmm. Well, we're uh, we're going on almost an hour here, so maybe we'll uh, we'll tie it off. Yes, sir. All right. So yeah, thanks for sticking around our banter and if you want to get in touch with us you can find us on instagram and twitter our username is real japan guys and you can email us at mail at thereal.jp and check out our website at thereal.jp and find this podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify so with all that being said We will see y'all again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.